the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Beloved ones in Christ. My joys in Christ, all of you. This is the last Sunday of the Paschal season. When that hit me yesterday, I was dumbfounded for a moment. Really, already? The last Sunday in the Paschal season. It's the last Sunday we'll greet each other with these most glorious words affirming the gospel of the resurrected God-man, saying Christ is risen to one another. A few more days of singing the beautiful Paschal Troparian, Christ is risen from the dead trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. Sing it often. Get it stuck in your head. Explore the meaning of these words for a few more days. Consider what it means to have a crucified and resurrected Savior. What it means to be a follower of Him. And then on Wednesday, we'll hear the hymns in full one last time. The Paschal Canon, the, Polit- the Politikion, the Paschal Hymn in various languages, as we te- take leave of this awesome season. Just the day before the glorious feast of the Ascension of our Lord. On Thursday, we celebrate the Ascension. It's going to be a beautiful week of, for worshiping our Savior. This week, One of the things I was meditating on, something that I think all priests have to do, we think about, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I've only been a priest for just over three years, and I have to preach on the Sunday of the blind man again. I get to preach on the Sunday of the blind man, but I think, what do those guys do who have been priests for ten years? But that, that reading was actually so beautiful and so rich. So much there. So much. The dialogue, the belief, the issue of why he was born blind. Whose, whose fault was it? Was he born in sin? Was he a sinner? The accusation of the Pharisees. Their unwillingness to believe. They were resisting becoming his disciples. There's so much there. But we reflect on these things. What am I going to say? And I ended up meditating on my own smallness, on my own emptiness. I often feel like it's only out of an awareness of my own emptiness that I have anything to offer. And out of that emptiness, I was reminded that that pastorally, I have, in a way, I have very little to give. But at the same time, I have the ability to give you everything. Why? Because it's been given to me to be a minister of the holy, immaculate, immortal mysteries, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have very little to give, but I can give you everything because my primary task is to give Christ to you. 
I've been contemplating this a bit more this week, especially since we were able to return to communion, some of us. Several returned to the chalice. And I told several people that be, like being a pastor without, and serving the liturgy without being able to bestow the holy mysteries to my flock is like, like being a priest with his arm cut off. I feel like my arm was put back on this week when I was able to see many of you. My arm has been reattached. It was awesome to meet many of you at the chalice. I'm always trying to discern what I should say, what should I preach on. And today, I'm compelled to speak about the Holy Mysteries because of the fact that most of you have been separated from them. Excuse me. Most of you have been separated from them for a time. And some are now returning. And I realize, keep in mind, I realize there are so many factors to consider in discerning when is the right time for many of you. So I don't want anyone to feel like because the table is open again for those who are prepared to come and receive the Holy Mysteries that everyone is expected to. We're going to discern when the right time is. And some people will choose to stay home a little longer to, be, to play it safe, you know, for various reasons. I understand that. But some are now returning, and so I'm compelled to speak of the Holy Mysteries. One of the things that has hit the world, especially the Orthodox world, is that this return is met with some concern and some fear. And I want to reiterate something I told you probably, I don't know, a month or so ago. But Eurantasa Evprexia from the monastery, Goldendale Monastery, sent out an email with some uh, words from Metropolitan Joel of Edessa. And he reminded us in his little letter, saying it's communally recognized by the fullness of the church that it's not possible for the body and blood of Christ to spread diseases. This is what our Holy Church believes and what its practice demonstrates. And he reminds us that priests who served for decades in hospitals with infectious diseases, very contagious and incurable in their era, they bestowed the holy mysteries on many people. They consumed the chalice after those people communed, and they never became ill. We're not, we're not trying to be irrational here. It is possible for someone to be exposed to a virus from touching a common surface or being in a common space, or, but never directly from the holy mysteries. This is the sure and unwavering teaching of the church. It always has been. We hear repeatedly in the service of preparation for holy communion requests that are partaking beyond a healing and in that these mysteries are the medicine of immortality. And that they are the life of Christ. Remember, Christ said, Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So that means to receive them means to have life put into us. They will not be received unto sickness. May they not be unto our judgment or condemnation in any way, but always unto our purification. And as we beg of God, 
under the healing of soul and body. And regarding today's gospel reading, the giving of sight to the man born blind, I want to first draw attention to an interesting fact. Today's homily is on the nature of the Eucharist and the sacramental nature of life. I want to draw attention to the fact that Christ accomplished this healing with dirt and spittle. You heard it in the Gospel reading. Something that came from Jesus and something that came from His creation, the ground, the earth. And bear with me. Where does wheat come from that becomes bread and is eventually transformed into the body of Christ? It comes from the dirt. It comes from the earth. And where do the grapes come from that are transformed into wine that becomes the blood of Christ? They spring forth from the earth as well. Back to today's story. In a totally divine but quite earthy action, Jesus did a lot of earthy things. I like to tell people orthodoxy is a pretty earthy faith. The Lord fashions from dirt an anointment that gives sight to one who had never seen. You may recall that among the church fathers is held the belief that the man born blind wasn't only born without sight, but born without eyes. Have you heard this? That he was born without eyes altogether. And that Christ is said to have fashioned eyes from the clay for the man and placed them into his face, into his eye sockets. And being God, I I believe he could have. No doubt. There's no doubt. And so I want to create a connection between the action of Christ in today's gospel reading and our encounter with God in the Eucharist. Again, especially because we're now blessed with the opportunity to meet at the chalice again. And what happens? What happens when we meet at the chalice? Do we simply receive a little bit of bread dipped in wine? We encounter God. We meet God there. He meets us there. What was the spit and dirt that Jesus placed on the man's face? In form, it was just that. Little spit and dirt that he made into clay, a combination of two unremarkable things, but when touched by God, they became the man's, the means of granting this blind man that which he never had before, his eyesight. To those around, if they looked at him, he would have been seen as a man with mud on his face. Little would they have known that it was a divine anointing, an unction made by Christ to bring this precious man to wholeness. And he was granted physical sight, ability to see the world around him, to see God's creation. And the greater miracle, which today's Doxasticon, the last main hymn of Orthros, talks about, he received a twofold sight, twofold sight physical sight, and like you said, spiritual, or noetic, the sight of Christ, the vision of God. 
the greater miracle and always the greatest was that he was able to behold Christ. This marginalized nothing of a man who was of no value to society, kind of a pest and maybe, you know, maybe brought a little value because it made people feel good, good about themselves to give him a little, little coin every once in a while. But this little nothing of a man, barely recognized, is it, was that him? No, just someone who looks like him. You know what I mean? It couldn't be. Or like we said a few weeks ago, maybe it's just special effects. But he was touched by God. And any time and every time God touches an individual, he proves the infinite worth of that one. We see something similar in the divine mystery of the Holy Eucharist, bread and wine. The simplest of things, touched by God and transformed into the very things he proclaims them to be. Remember his words. When talking about the Eucharist, I like to remember, or excuse me, remind people that we're just taking Christ at his word. Remember his words. This is my body. This is my blood. And for those who believe in a God that became man to meet humanity right where it is, why why would we not also believe this to be true? That which seems so common in appearance is no common thing at all. But by the grace of God has become the very body and blood of Christ conveyed to those who partake thereof. In my reading this week, I came upon kind of a sweet reminder An article that said, the source of sanctity in the Orthodox Church, the source of holiness, godliness, is jumping through spiritual hoops. How many prostrations you do? How long you pray? Yeah, you think so? Yeah. If you just do 11 prostrations instead of 10, you know, or if you, do, if you say your prayer rope for 12 minutes instead of 9, maybe, maybe you'll get, no. The source of sanctity, of course, is always the grace of God. But the divine Eucharist. What did Christ leave us with? His teachings passed on to the disciples, but the institution of the Lord's Supper. By partaking, continuing in the article, by partaking of the Holy One, Jesus Christ, we become holy. We become like He is. The holy things, as we say in the liturgy, you hear us say, the holy things are for the holy. The holy things, the body and blood of Christ, are given as communion to the holy. Who are the holy? All of the saints, all those whom Christ has called his own. The members of the church. Sanctity follows on from holy communion. Ascetic struggles of the saints are not an aim, but a means which leads to the aim, which is Eucharistic communion, the most perfect and complete union with the Holy One. In the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, we see that sanctification is associated with the kingdom of God. We ask that His kingdom come into the world so that everyone can praise Him and can partake of His sanctity and His glory, which is what we call deification, theosis, union with God. 
Not because of what we do, but because of what he does. We respond to what he does, though. That's always important. St. John Chrysostom reminds us that as a child draws near to his mother for nourishment, so should we also draw near to the chalice. And then he goes on to say, but with even more eagerness. Have you ever seen a hungry child looking for his mother? I mean, that baby will not, doesn't want anything else in the world. And St. John Chrysostom, using this vivid imagery, he says, but with even more eagerness we should draw near to the chalice in order to draw out the grace of the Spirit. And he says something to which many these days can especially relate. He says, let it be our one sorrow to not be able to partake of this food. People understood this back in the day, as, we could, as, as the kids say. Do the kids say that these days? Well, when I was a kid, they used to say that. Back in the day, they understood how precious the holy mysteries are, and they never considered it a right or an entitlement, but always a gift and always a means to sanctification, and therefore they wanted it more than anything. I'm not worthy, but you give it to me. Wow, what a, you know, what a humbling approach. And therefore, one of the ways of disciplining people for their salvation, for their longing for Christ, would be to actually give them a little break from receiving the holy mysteries for a time. So that they could long for return with greater fervor, with greater eagerness. We become like, like children who don't care about nourishment anymore. We'd rather eat what's on the floor or something like that rather than getting what we need from our mother. In today's gospel reading, we hear of the clay. At any time of, in the gospel or in the scriptures, I hear of clay. I also hear of, the, I, I re, excuse me, I remember the earthen vessel, how St. Paul refers to man as an earthen vessel. We hear of the clay, we hear of the earthen vessel of the man anointed with clay from the ground. Clay anointed with clay and receiving sight. And using similar language, St. Nicholas Cavasilis comments on what happens to man when he receives the Holy Eucharist. St. Nicholas Cavasilis says, The clay is no longer clay when it's received the royal likeness. The clay of man is no longer clay when it receives the royal likeness. That's the body and blood of Christ. But it is already the body of the king, meaning that the physical bodies of human persons become incorporated into Christ. It's impossible to conceive of anything more blessed than this. How blessed it is for the blind to receive sight. How much more blessed it is for the hollow body of man to be filled with the life of God to receive Christ into ourselves and to be incorporated into Him, to have His life, even His blood, coursing through our veins. What a wonder it is, but not even a wonder, reality itself, that those who would long, excuse me, reality itself to those who would long to be united to Christ. share a little bit more from the teaching of St. Nicholas Cavasilas as we're coming to a close. 
He's the, an excellent, inspired commentator on the sacramental life. He says, if one speaks of our condition as a disease in need of a cure, which we often do, Christ did not merely go to the patient and deign to look at him and touch him, but with his own hand wrought what was needed for healing. He even became himself our medicine and diet and whatever else is conducive to health. It's from himself and from his own flesh that he restored what is necessary and he substituted himself for that which had been destroyed. He did not send an angel to save the human race, but came in person. It was necessary for men to learn the purpose of his coming. So he did not stay in his own place and send for those who were to hear, but he himself went about and sought out those to whom he would impart his words. Bringing on his tongue by way of speech the greatest benefits, he came to the doors of those who stood in need of health. Thus he healed the sick by coming to them himself and touching them with his hand. He created eyes for him who was born blind by putting clay on his face, having himself made it by spitting on the ground and kneading it with his finger and taking it up. It says that he came and touched the beer, the coffin, and that he stood by the tomb of Lazarus and uttered his voice nearby. Although, had he so willed, he might have achieved both these things and even these things in every way greater than these. By mere word or gesture from afar, yet he did it in this way. The latter was an evident sign of his power while the former was a sign of his love which came to show which he came to show toward men so the seemingly common hands of flesh moving on from saint nicholas the seemingly common hands of flesh like yours or mine the hands of jesus reach out to touch and something uncommon happens what seems to be dead matter is proved to be dynamic alive Clay is made into the organ of sight. A dead child arises. A decaying man comes from the tomb. And now, beloved ones, the one who became what we are so that we could become by grace what he is accomplishes the miracle of his body and blood at the hands of a man who is quite unworthy and who has nothing to offer of himself but has everything to offer on account of God's perfect love for mankind. Now we long not only to be granted healing from our physical ailments, physical sight, but we long for something even greater. To behold Christ and even to be united with him. He's made this available to us in his church by the grace of the Holy Spirit. St. Nicholas, one more time, one short word. He says, to those to whom externals are only apparent, it's mere clay which is visible. But for us, beloved, through the eyes of faith, we behold not only clay, 
Not only man is mere flesh and blood, not only the things that are external and judged by their external appearances. We behold and receive not only some bread and wine mingled, but the perfection of divinity, transfiguring the common things and becoming not only vehicles for conveying his life, but the means of life itself. This is why partaking of the holy things lies at the center of our faith. Why we refer to it as a profound and perfect mystery. Mystery that the uncreated God would meet his creatures and could even interface with us in some way. That's called love. It's called love. He became man that we might become partakers of the divine nature. One with him in all actuality. He touches us, but not only. He gives himself to us as true nourishment so that we, by partaking, also become his very body and blood. One of my favorite statements about the Holy Mysteries is that the miracle is not that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ, but that we become the body and blood of Christ by partaking thereof. So my prayer, my prayer, beloved in Christ, is that we would be granted eyes to see, to truly understand and behold Christ. That we could say, like the man in today's gospel reading, I was blind, but now I see. In this most sacred interaction of receiving his holy mysteries, to receive him and to see him, to be one with him, the incorruptible one who is risen from the dead, always, now, and forever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is risen.